when you look at the last 10 years, what was the average average growth? Yeah, I just had a look at some numbers before we came on and I thought what I could give you is the decade so far. That would be January 2020 until March 2023. And the average is actually higher than it was for the last five years. It's 50% a year on average. 55-0. Yeah. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Lewis, welcome back to the Better Wealth Show. Thank you, thank you, Caleb. A pleasure to be here. We had you on almost a year ago when you talked about strategic metals, and you really got me thinking about something that potentially is not correlated to the market or not correlated to gold or silver that we all use in our cell phones and electric cars. And so I wanted to have you back on to give an update on where things are at. I know that you guys have been growing. I know a couple people in our community have worked with you and I want to make it very clear that this is not investment advice. I don't get paid anything for saying this. I just want to have interesting people on and increase the IQ of our audience. So with that, I'm going to hand it over to you. Why don't you give a 30 second overview if people want to know more about you? I'll link the other interview that we did, but I want to get right into what is strategic metals and what's the update and all the good things as it relates to that. Yeah, as I said, Caleb. Look, I'm delighted to be here with you. It's a, it was it's a joyful experience to talk about metals, but just to connect with people that have that curiosity and know that we always live in a world where there's, as I say, we live we still live in the in the age of miracles or new ideas, new investments. I appreciate your curiosity and intention to find out more. It's a growing business. I mean, rare earth metals are the backbone of manufacturing in the 21st century because of technology, the applications. They're literally critical to all nations' economic prosperity. And as an asset class, it's relatively new. They've only been available to private investors since 2010. They're also precious metals. They come under the same. There's a few different terms. My company's called strategic metals because they're strategic to industry, to how we live our daily lives. But I don't think anybody would disagree that it's a growing because cars, buildings, aviation, medical devices, computers, laptops, smart. It's easier to say there's not an industry that they're not applied in. The, and one thing that's very interesting about this market is it's not really correlated to the stock market. Potentially, maybe a little bit, because if companies are down, they might buy less metals. But tell me, the last year, we've had interest rates skyrocket. We've had the market have a bunch of volatility. People are losing their jobs in the States. I know that you're not from the United States. Has that t- Talk to me about what the pros and cons are of all those like high interest rates, market volatility. Does that, do you see any effect on that on your end? Because I know a lot of your big time players are actually the companies that are buying this. And just for someone, if this might be the first time that they're hearing you on the podcast or YouTube, explain your business model also about how someone can invest in precious metals, the vault, how they get a yield. I, again, we're not giving investment advice. My hope is to give you options and introduce you to interesting people that can get you to think differently. And I do think you guys have a model that um, would be worth looking into. Okay. Yeah. So you touched on a few things there, Keller, but the most important thing you mentioned is what our core business is. And that's the most important thing about us, even though that's not the investment side. So our core business is we buy and sell rare earth metals. We've been in business since 1999, so nearly 25 years. We're buying them from producers, mostly in China, and then we resell them 
to industry buyers. Annual turnover just reached 100 million a year on the industrial side, not the investment side. So that's the amount, the volume of business we're doing. And we sell the metals to more than 2,000 customers in 70 different countries. So it's a global business. It's only because that's our core business could we have, as you guys like to say in America, a side hustle. That's probably too small a term for it, but it's only because that's our core business could we have a side business where we can offer rare earths to private investors. Why is that? Because we provide a link to an industry private investors wouldn't normally have access to because they're probably not going to buy industrial amounts anyway. Our clients don't have to buy industrial amounts. So our core business is very important, but our offer to private investors is you can buy rare earths from us where we guarantee the authenticity, the chain of custody, the purity, the batch numbers. And we also guarantee the, we recommend a hold of a sort of a medium to long-term play, medium being three to five years, long-term being 10 years. But our clients own the metals. They physically own them. It's up to them. We can liquidate them upon request. But that's the most important thing we do is we offer authentic rare earths like industrial grade. And we also offer the exit. We'll mediate a sale to an industry buyer or we'll buy them back ourselves because that's what we're doing on a daily basis. Regarding the last year, the tumultuous last year and what right now with what's happening with banks and stuff, we, we have 10 rare earths we offer. And if you were to, we recommend our clients purchase like a diversify what they're buying. So don't just buy one metal. Now, if they want to, they can. It's up to them. We're not going to say no. But if you buy, say, all 10 we offer, then you're, there's not an industry you're not invested in. In that regard, for example, last year, hafnium, one of our metals, went up 180% in one year. The reason for that is its core use is as rods in nuclear reactors and also alloys in jet engines because of its ability to still work under very high temperatures. Now, what happened last year was the aviation industry bounced back from COVID and we have a sort of an energy transition going on and an energy crisis. And so the nuclear industry is actually growing as well. So we had great sort of gains there for investors. And then maybe the other metals that we're just producing normally were lifted up by that. So we haven't had any losses. Um, on average, our gains are about 34% a year. And it's usually one industry or another. One is moving ahead and one, and it just balances itself out if you have that diversification. And just to clarify it, and I want to ask you in a second what the minimum and what the average investment is. But someone's investing that money. They're buying precious metals. So we may not even be considered an investment. We can unpack that in a second as well. They're buying strategic metals. They can either have it shipped to them. Majority of people keep it in the vault with you guys because obviously there's more costs and all those things, but you actually own those metals. When you say three to five years, you're doing that because you're, you, it would be not wise to try to get in and out because there's more volatility. You're saying over three to five years is a good mindset. You could hold it for longer. You could do it for shorter. And at the end of the day, if you buy a metal at 100 and they continue to go up in value, whenever you sell, you're going to sell. And let's say in three years, you sell the metal and now it's worth 150. In that scenario, you'd get 50 Fifty dollars more. I'm just using a basic example. Am I thinking about this the right way? Correct. Yeah, you're on the right track there. Yeah. 
Okay, so do you have to be accredited? Is this considered an investment or is can anyone buy? What's the minimum investment? What's the average investment? Yeah, no, precious metals, they come under that category. So gold, we also offer gold, silver and uh, PGMs, which are the platinum group metals. But the area where there's a huge demand supply disparity is in rare earths because of China, which we discussed before. But the buying metals, it's not a regulated industry, either in Europe or in North America. Now, obviously, I can't speak for North America, but people can clarify that themselves. So just like now, if you wanted to go buy gold somewhere, you could go and buy gold probably physically, locally or online and store it in Delaware or Singapore. And you could sell it the next day. So it's not a regulated industry. So there's no bar to entry at all. You don't need to be an accredited investor. You can Anybody can buy or sell metals. Yep. One of the things that I'm, so what's the minimum purchase and then what's the average that you see that when your customers in the States and sure. over in Ireland? Min- minimum purchase is 10,000, but I've just recently okay. started, I've noticed a few clients, most half anyway, are purchasing a second and third time. And I had a few clients, particularly in North America, ask me about a savings plan because what they want to do is keep adding to the portfolio. And after the minimum purchase, there is no minimum. So you can you can actually buy or sell. You could use our platform, for example, if you've had some good gains, say, with indium. You could sell some indium and buy another metal as well. Clients have asked me about maybe a long-term savings plan, and, and I've just negotiated with the supplier, if you will, that we can start at 5000 minimum, and then clients can add as they wish. So Strictly speaking, it's 10,000, but if somebody's interested in a savings plan, we can start at five. That's what I love about you is you, you, I remember us talking after our first interview and you were like, Caleb, how can I get more involved with what you're up to, your community? And here's what I'll say. Please don't, um, please don't make Lewis go out of his way to do a $5,000 thing. If you're like super interested and that's dipping your toes, great, but careful what you wish for because sometimes... A bunch of $5,000 transactions and people could be, you may want to come back and edit that out, but I appreciate how you show up. And I know, I know that you wouldn't be saying that everywhere, but you've interacted with some people in our community and they're amazing. So thank you for that. One of the things that I want to do a better job asking and explaining is that I always want to know, okay, what's the worst case scenario? Where are the mosquitoes in this situation? And I really think it comes down to everything's legit. It really comes down to the back end because you guys are also brokers on the back end. So you have your main business, which is you're brokering these metals to companies. And that's why it's quite frankly liquid because if I wanted out, you could sell it the next day. At least, okay. So that makes sense. What if that goes away? If let's say the main business crumble, where are the investors being held? They have their money in a vault. Let's say I'm just hypothetically because that's really the only risk other than like fraud <laughs> that. I think is a problem. And, I, and that's why I'm such a big fan of this asset class. But talk to me through, walk me through if your main business crumbles, what would be the protection for people that have their money in a vault in Ireland? The vault's in Germany and Germany's a leading sort of industrial trading nation. And that's, if they were in Ireland, you, it'd be a red flag because we're not an industrial nation and we don't have, Got it. we have, I shouldn't make this joke because it's too stereotypical, but we have potatoes here, but we don't have rare earth metals. If someone I think your accent just throws a curveball, so I apologize yeah. for that. <laughs> but the good thing, look, in terms of, you're right when you say the business is as safe as any business can be at this moment in time, Caleb, but nobody knows what the future holds. In business, more than near, nearly 25 years, 
with products that are very much in demand all over the world. So that's as safe as it can be. But hypothetically, let's say that did happen. In that case, the clients own the metals. They probably move them to their own jurisdiction or move to, to another vault in Switzerland. Or What I would add to that is actually, since we last spoke, I've been contacted by one metals broker in the United Kingdom and two in the US. And I can give you the names or anybody I can pass on the names. And they made an offer to me as well that if any of your clients don't want to liquidate with Tradium, we'll be happy to make an offer on the metal. So there are more options available now. And this is the key thing. Because the metals, when we sell them like to you, they're still in the original packaging from the producer in China or France or wherever it came from. And as long as they're in the original packaging, they have this unique batch number, which is the chain of custody then any industry buyer will buy them. That would remain intact, that chain of custody. If that was broken, then that could be a problem. But I, that, exa- that was the exact answer uh, that I assumed, but I appreciate you articulating that. And I, again, I'm encouraging anyone that's watching or listening in any deal, where how do you get your money back? Where are the potential downfalls? And one, one thing is like the it's not as easy to sell like on the stock. What you're saying is you guys are not the only player in town. There are other people and you have a hard asset. Like it might be in the vault, but you could, that's your, you own that. And I think that is super key. And so the last thing that I'll say as a disclaimer is you're thinking about doing this, make sure you have liquidity because even though this is liquid, I would imagine that it probably takes a couple weeks. It's like, I don't want someone like putting their last dollar in and that creates more anxiety. It's put money that, you don't need, you can afford to lose, and then you'll be shocked on the potential that holds. What is, if someone did put their money and they wanted to sell, wh- how fast could they get their money back? And don't exaggerate, just tell realistically how, if you're in the States and you want your money back, sure. how long does that usually take? I have a good example for you. I had a client from the US who came, who bought metals in September. And this is a really interesting story because this client must have known something I didn't. The client, in, she only wanted to buy one metal which was hafnium, and it was already up 90% for the year. And I said, are you sure? I mean, it really had. I said, no, I just want to buy hafnium. And she did. And lo and behold, it went up another 90% between September and January. And she came back to me in February and sold half of her. So she's taken out half. Our money doubled. So in five, in, she turned it around in five months. I'd love to know what she knows I didn't. But fair play to her. But So she came to me on a Monday and we made her an offer the same day. She accepted the offer and we, we, she then sent the bank details and it was closed within three to four working days. She had her money back. Wow. 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 That's incredible. And I also love the fact that there's so much flexibility because you guys are a broker that it's not like you'd go on record, say, buy one metal, obviously diversifying, but it's just one of those things where you have the freedom and flexibility. What other questions or things do you think should be said as people are listening to this? I think just having you back on brings a lot of credibility because there's a lot of guests that come in, people here once. I got a lot of feedback in good feedback. I'm like, wow, Caleb, thanks so much for bringing a different perspective. I think hearing you almost a year later and hearing some of these stories, especially with where the market's at, I see quite a few people saying, hey, I want to potentially check this out. And so what other things do you think need to be said 
or questions that a lot of people ask that can be answered so that you don't have to ask a bunch of $5,000, $10,000 transaction questions. Yeah. I learned a lot from our first one as well. And a few people did contact me. And so it's great to have conversations and find out what more maybe can we do to make the picture clearer. And one good result of our last chat was through through somebody who'd read it. I went to work on, I invited him to come to the vault and he said, look, I can't do that anytime soon, but I do want to do due diligence. So I went, how can somebody in the do proper due diligence until or before they can make a trip? So I found a way that clients in the US for less than $100 can do 95% of their due diligence. I'll just, I know we don't have, I'll just give you a quick explanation. So in the US, you have companies like Red Flag Group, who I think have been bought now by Refinitiv, but their search engines, for me, if I wanted to do find out, if I was doing business with a US company, I wanted to find out everything about them, I can, it'll cost you some money, but they will find, it's like a private investigation for businesses right in europe the similar business to that is called north data is one of them and you can sign up there's a lot of free information but you can find out everything you need to know if the company has had bankruptcies what patents they have you can look at their annual financial statements going back to day one so i would say for anybody interested i found a very easy path that clients themselves can individually do the due diligence and it doesn't cost more than Amazing. Amazing. And we'll potentially have that link and maybe I can get someone on to interview because that's obviously due diligence in anything that you do. I think one thing that drives me nuts is when people talk about investments and they just talk about the rate of return and they don't have any assumption of the risk that's tied to that. And and that's that's just the most ironic. You almost think, oh, the higher rate of return, the more money you're going to make. But you don't know that potentially brings on extra risk. And so the key thing for investors is how to keep the same rate of return, but reduce risk. And and so these kind of conversations are really helpful. Is there any is there anything else that you want to share? We're going to give you, we're going to have all your information down below. If there's anyone that's watching this or listening to this that wants to, to reach out, you can find information below. But is there any Parting shots, and we'll also have our other interview where you go way more in detail on your backstory, what precious metals are. But is there anything else that you want to say? The only thing maybe we didn't cover is you talked a little bit about warm red flags or mosquitoes. As you, we don't have mosquitoes here, but I know what you're talking about. It gets warm <laughs> enough here, Caleb. We wish we did, but yeah, the one thing I would say where the metals are given very good returns, and most of them have multiple applications, but there is a possibility. Let's say hafnium, for example, at the mo- for example at the moment is critically needed in rods for nuclear reactors, alloys in jet engines, and also where we see demand skyrocketing is the space exploration is becoming a fully fledged space industry. But somebody could come along and maybe with a metal that could replace hafnium. So that's something that could happen as well. And it's, as you mentioned, they're purely driven by supply and demand. And we know a way of anticipating what the road ahead is. Now, locally, they're used in multiple applications. They're not just used in one industry. They're used in a broad array of industries. But it's something that should be mentioned. What's the possibility of my of the value of the metal going down or becoming very neutral? And that's really the only thing we didn't mention that could. What last time we talked, we uh, I asked a question about lending against precious metals. So you have precious metals, their value. Will there be a bank that says, hey, 
keep that money in the vault in Germany. We'll lend against 80% of that. Is there any institutions out there or can you help me do research on to see if we can find an institution that would do that? Because that would be very attractive to our audience. Yeah, it's funny, Caleb. I think, I don't know if we mentioned this, but somebody said to me before, watch what's happening in the US, maybe, you know, if in the tech industry, what's happening in California, because in six months, it'll be in New York and a year later, it'll be in Europe. So I would say if anything like that comes along, it'll come maybe from North America. And I think you guys... Europe is a little bit, can be a bit old school and old Europe and conservative. And at the moment, we don't have anything here, but possibly in the US, because the one thing is you've got a genuine certificate with all the purity levels, the batch numbers. You also, anybody can, I could send you seven links today to different websites for valuations all over the world. So somebody can verify the value easy enough as well. But at this moment in time, there isn't. Okay, here's a call to action to anyone listening or watching that wants to help us on this journey. I'm determined to find solutions because I think understanding the whole lending against is really powerful. And so if you're someone that wants to help me in this journey, reach out and we'll have you back on when we come up with a answer. And I'm determined to, if this is as good of an asset, you have hard metals, like you can do stuff like this with gold, you can do this stuff with silver. So I don't know if there's a potential problem with it's in a vault in Germany, all that stuff. But I'm sure there is someone out there that would be willing to do it. And that would be also really attractive because imagine having your money in something solid like that, but then also being able to use cash to do other yeah. things. No, like that would, that would get to the next level. And obviously with anything, when you apply leverage, you have to say, what is, what are we using as collateral and is the underlying leverage safe or not? And I think we can all agree that a lot of people leverage real estate and real estate can go up or down. And it sounds and it very much looks like that these precious metals have had a good track record. But like anything, and like you said very beautifully, just because the past track record doesn't mean that doesn't mean what the future looks like, but where we're going with the utility, it's hard to be like, yeah, pre-, like we're just not going to do that, especially with everyone wanting to go green and no one's I don't see a ton of people surrendering their iPhones and Androids. And so it's just very interesting yeah. there. My, my last question actually is around insurance. Can you insure these? And is it common for people to buy insurance when their precious metals are sitting in a vault in Germany? Well, fully, in fact, okay. there's a storage fee. It's a, there's a 2% annual fee for storage. And most of that, if not half of that, is for insurance. And it's Germany is one of the leading trading economies in the world it's right smack in the yep. middle of europe so in terms of sort of regulation and safety it could not be safer the vault is okay. two levels underground it was a bunker during world war ii and during the cold war so it's and it's been remodeled obviously in the last 12 years to go to a bank level vault but the insurance covers any eventual war explosions fire theft okay. armed security so they are insured, but somebody could take additional insurance as well if they yeah. wanted. But so you said two, 2% fee. And then again, no, I, we're not holding you to future claims of rate of return. But what in the, if in the last year, what was the rate of return if someone bought like they diversified, you know, 10, 10 precious metals like did last year? And then when you look at the last 10 years, what was the average average growth? Yeah, I just had a look at some numbers before we came on, and I thought what I could give you is the decade so far. That would be January 2020 until March 2023. And the average is actually higher than it was for the last five years. It's 50% a year on average. 55-0. 
Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm a little scared of that. I'm going to sound like I'm contradicting myself. I wish it was a little bit lower because it it lends to the idea. Wow, that's. But the truth of it is, because of COVID, because of Russia's aggression in Ukraine, demand has just gone. Look, even Tesla just Tesla. I think I mentioned to you, Tesla had their investor day last week, and Tesla themselves said there will not be enough rare earths to go around, and it's likely in the next. Between now and 2030, we might see one or two car manufacturers that we know and love that have been around for 100 years, maybe, go out of business. There will not be enough rare earths for the, for the, the transition to electric cars. We're, we've got a window of about seven to 10 years for investors anyway, where this supply demand disparity, like there is enough rare earths in the world, Caleb, but most of them are underground. And China has the monopoly. They're a generation ahead of the US and Europe in the refining. That's the key thing here. There's plenty of them in North America, in Europe, but it's getting separated and refined is where China's way, way ahead of everybody else. And it's going to take Europe and the rest of the world about another 10 years to catch up. And in the meantime, that's why this is such a good investment is think of labor costs in Europe and the US compared to China. Think of how more sustainably they will do the mining. And either way, your prices are going to rise, you know. Lewis, I thank you so much for being on this podcast, for being so generous and willing to help our audience. And we'll make sure that our original interview was down below. I'm proud that it was one of the first interviews that shared precious metals in in the states and so you can check that out for more context this was a phenomenal update if you want to help us find institutions that will help us lend against insured precious metals in a vault that's we'll say a mile down and even though it's not deep down in the ground that's insured please let me know and if you do want to take some of your money and put it towards precious metals go to lewis you're in good hands and and that's not investment advice. And so don't sue me if that doesn't work out. A- any final? Just the website, I suppose, is if anybody wants to, if they want to contact me, they can email me directly, louis, L-O-U-I-S, at strategicmetalsinvest.com, or please go visit the website, Strategic Metals Invest. Amazing. All right. Thank you so much, and look forward to having you back on for another update. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.